0: One of the things I've learned in my 39 years of living is this, is that when you go through trials, when you go through tribulations, the first thing that the adversary tries to do is he tries to silence you. He 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 tries to put you in a predicament where you feel like you're either by yourself or you're the only one that's dealing with what you're dealing with. And it puts you to a place or puts you in a position or a posture rather where uh, you feel like you don't even have the words to utter. And. The thing I love about God is this. If you read throughout the scripture, he says that uh, he, he'll make utterances for us when we don't even know the words to utter. He'll he'll begin to make intercession for us. And what I want to encourage everybody that's watching my way of live stream, our YouTube channel or even our uh, website is that God is saying all I need from you during this season of uncertainty is a hallelujah. If, if, if you can give me a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies in the midst of unbelief, in the midst of a mystery, if you if you can give me a hallelujah. And I, I was thinking about it. We're in a series called The basic. And so for a moment, I, I just want to teach about the basic essence of what the word hallelujah means. Hallelujah means to give him the highest praise. It means to exalt him. And so what he's saying is even when you don't understand what's going on around you, if you can muster up inside of you a hallelujah that says, God, you're bigger than my problem. God, you're bigger than what I can't see. God, you're bigger than what I can't feel. God, you're bigger than what I don't know. Then I believe without a shadow of a doubt that it'll put your heart into a position where then God can begin to come in and move and begin to mend some things and put some stuff together. So my prayer to you this morning is that the song that we just got finished hearing uh, from Justin would be a prophetic utterance that will take us through this season of uncertainty that many of you guys find yourselves in. So we give you we, we, we honor you. We thank you for tuning in this morning. Uh, we believe indeed that there is a word that I believe that God has ordained for this hour, um, a word that will help push us into the uh, next season of our lives. I, I, I want to start with a story. I, I was listening to uh, YouTube the other day at work and I was uh, listening to a story about two guys. They went to college somewhere uh, in California. And so they had saved up a lot of money and they said, well, what we want to do during the summer is we want to take a trip to India. And so they went to India, they put on their backpacks and they walked throughout the country and they saw the villages where there were people with no shoes on and uh, they were living in poor conditions in this particular area of town. And one of the guys was he was heartbroken. And he said, man, all of these people, they they don't have even some of the basic necessities that we take for granted in the states. And he began to talk and he said, you know, look, look at how many people out here. They don't even have shoes. And his friend said. That's an opportunity for a business. And he looked at it, and as he looked at it, he said, what do you mean, opportunity for a business? He said, can you imagine how many shoes that we can provide for a group of people who obviously doesn't have something that we view as a basic necessity. Now, uh, my wife will probably get me, but she's not in the sanctuary this morning. So I can uh, talk to you. You you know, I've gotten back on my sneaker fetish. Um, Growing up, I love sneakers. I, I had sneakers that would literally go from the floor to the ceiling in the boxes. And I got a little older and I had kids and I said, well, I can't I can't spend as much money as I used to spend on shoes anymore. So I started buying pop sneakers. That's what my kids started calling these pop sneakers. And one day my son was talking to me. He said, Dad, you don't have any cool shoes anymore. So I started back buying uh, my Kobe Bryant's and my LeBron's. And so I started back buying all these different shoes. And so now we're in a place where my wife is like, you're turning into a sneakerhead. But nevertheless, back to the story. So this guy was talking and he said, can you imagine how we can provide shoes to all of these people? And so they went back to uh, college because school was about to start back. And the first guy was like, well, I I, I'm trying to get my degree in in accounting and finance. So he he went back. But the other guy was still uh, triggered by this vision that he saw. And he began to get so consumed with it that he dropped out of school. And his friend said, what in the world are you doing? He dropped out of school, and he said, I'm going to start a business. He said, what kind of business are you starting? He said, I'm starting a shoe business. And so when the guy who was uh, dealing with finances finally graduated from school, he ended up getting hired by the sneaker guy because his business had grown to the point where he needed somebody to manage all the finances. So you say, well, Pastor D, why would you tell us a story like that? I'll tell you a story like that because something unique happened in the midst of that story, and many of you guys probably missed it. One guy saw something and the other guy saw the same exact thing, but they both saw him different. One of them saw it as an opportunity. The other one just merely saw it for what it was. And so today, while we're in the midst of this, what seems like a, cha- a chaotic experience, a, a crisis, I, I want to tell you, and I wanna, don't want to really get ahead of myself, but, but chaos is all about how you perceive it. You know, if our sanctuary was full, like it would typically be on Sundays, I would just stop and pause for a dramatic pause right there. Chaos has a lot to do with how you perceive it. These two guys, they saw the same exact thing, but one of them saw it as an opportunity. The other one saw it for simply what it was. So my prayer for you and Pastor Kevin's prayer for you is during this season of uncertainty, you don't look at it as just this thing that is doomed and it's going to take you out and you're not going to be able to prosper and you're not going to get past it. But I want you to look at this as the greatest opportunity that God has ever had in your life to show himself as being who he really is. There was countless numbers. I forget the millions of people that filed for unemployment last week. It was something that our country had never seen before. And so people are being all chaotic and and, and, and they're trying to figure out and rightfully so, because you have bills, you have finances that you have to take care of. You, you have all these obligations that you have to meet. And when your finances are disrupted in such a uh, immediate standpoint, you, you do find yourself trying to figure this thing out. So I'm not trying to minimize the impact of it. But what I am trying to do is to get you to understand something that even when you don't understand something, even when you can't see your way through a situation, the God that we serve is bigger than any circumstance that can come your way. And I believe that's what Justin was so eloquently saying in that song when he said, I'll raise a hallelujah in the, in the midst of my unbelief. When I, when I don't know how this thing is going to happen, I'm still going to turn my eyes and my attention towards God because I know that the God that I serve is indeed a big God. You know, I, I remember my kids used to watch VeggieTales and their VeggieTales, they used to have these crazy little songs and they used to talk about how big God was. And they wanted to make sure that the kids at the ages of three, four, five, six, seven, no matter how old they was, that they knew that the God that we serve was indeed a big God. How many of us as adults? Remember that the God that saved us is still a big God. The God that took us through when everybody else had rejected us, but yet he still continued to love on us. How many of us remember that he's still a big God? So my prayer this morning is this. I I know it's uh, Palm Sunday and traditionally we would talk about uh, Jesus riding into the city on the back of a donkey. And uh, they would be throwing palm leaves and they would be shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And many of you guys already know that story. But today, I believe that the Lord has has impressed upon my heart to try to help you deal with the current circumstances that you find yourself in. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me real quick to Psalms chapter number 34. Psalms chapter number 34. I'm going to be reading from um, the CEV version, the contemporary English version, um, because unlike Baron, uh, I, I struggle sometimes with the K- <laughs> KJV. Shout out to you, Baron and Molly, though. I'm sure watching, but let's go to Psalm chapter number 34. This is CV version. So it's going to read different from yours. It says this, it says, honor the Lord. That's the title. It says, I will always praise the Lord with all of my heart. I will praise the Lord. Let all who are helpless, listen and be glad. Verse three says, Honor the Lord with me. Celebrate his great name. Verse 4, he said, I, I, I asked the Lord for help, and he saved me from all of my fear." Some of you guys today, you have fears because you don't know how you're, you're going to make it from this month to the next month. But, but, but the psalmist even here, he said, I asked the Lord for help and the Lord saved me from all of my fears. And one of the things I love about God and one of the things I love about uh, a family and a grandmother who was uh, an avid uh, prayer, she, she would always remind me, Pastor Kevin, she would say that God is no respecter of person. So 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 if he can do it for Justin, he can do it for me. If if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If he if he can do it for you, he can do it for the person across town. He If he do it for the person across town, he can do it for the person in New York. If he can do it for New York, he can do it for the person in Washington state. If he can do it for Washington state, he'll do it for someone down in Louisiana. He's no of person. So the psalmist knew right then and there. He said that he said, I asked the Lord for help. And in his gracious ways, it says. He saved me from all of my fears. Verse five says, keep your eyes on the Lord. I want to tell you and I want to encourage each and every last one of you guys that are watching this or that'll watch it later on. I I want to tell you, to keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't 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 be distracted. Don't allow your circumstances. Don't allow your feelings. Don't allow your emotions to cause you to take your eyes off of the Lord. Because what will happen is when you take your eyes off of the Lord, you'll begin to miss what he's trying to do. I, there's a new series coming out. It's a, a sitcom or something that's coming out about, I think it's David Blaine, the, the, the magician guy. And he has all these guys, LeBron James and all these celebrities, and they're all gathered around him. And he's doing these card tricks. And it, it's not that he has power, it's that he knows how to manipulate. He, he, he knows that if I can distract you for a split second. You'll miss it, and I'll get you to believe what I want you to believe. But God is saying, I, "I I need you to keep your eyes on Me because during this season, I don't need you to be distracted. I don't need you to doubt. I simply need you to trust Me because the Bible says that He has the world in His hand." Verse five goes on to say, uh, "You will you will shine like the sun and and never blush with shame. I was a nobody, but I prayed." And the Lord saved me from all of my troubles. I want to read one more verse and then we'll give you a little bit of background and give you hopefully some points that will help you uh, make it through this season of uncertainty. And that verse is number seven. It says, if you honor the Lord, his angel will protect you. Father, we thank you for opportunity to dig in your word. Father, I pray even now that as I begin to dig a little bit deeper, every word that is said, every point that's made, would be a word that only you're saying and only a point that you're making. Father, hide me behind the rock as you hid Moses and just simply pass by so that I can see your glory. I feel you already, but, 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 father, I need your angels to encamp out around me so that we can communicate one with another and then communicate with these, your people. Father, we love you. We honor you and we cherish you. For it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now, now, Psalm chapter number 34, if we had to give you guys a subject or a thought, the thought or the subject would simply be um, how to be thankful during chaos, how to be thankful during chaos. So I was looking at something earlier this week, and I was uh, looking at what chaos does and, and what uh, crisis does, and here are some things that crisis or chaos does, and many of you guys that are home, you may be feeling these things already, and I promise you that if you hold on to the end of this message, you'll be able to understand and you'll be feeling a whole lot better. But one of the things that crisis or or uh, uh, chaos does it it invokes fear. When 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 chaos happens, usually people begin to become fearful. When crisis comes, typically people begin to uh, become depressed. When chaos happens, typically people uh, begin to get frustrated, and and then anxiety sets in, and. Then they find themselves in a place of abandonment or worrying and, and they feel hopeless and uh, they, 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 they feel uh, that there's a sense of loss. They, they feel like they're, they're, they're not who they used to be when chaos or crisis happens because they're no longer in control or the narrative or the story that's about to play out. And so that's how the adversary begins to move in, because he'll play on your fear. He'll push you into a deeper place of depression. He'll try to make you more frustrated. He'll uh, try to make your anxiety grow out of the room. He'll try to put you in a place where you'll worry so much. But how many of you guys know that those things are no match for the God that we serve? Psalms 34. Some of you guys may be familiar with the backstory of it. Some of you may be not, maybe not, but I I, want to show you how, uh, when we opened up the psalm, he was saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. He was David was talking and he said, uh, come on, I need you to praise the Lord with me. He began to talk about how he called upon the Lord and the Lord answered him and all of these great things. And for many of us, we read scripture and we get excited about the scripture, but we don't have the ability or we haven't used our ability rather to take the whole scripture and really dig into it to really get the fullness out of it. And so Psalms uh, chapter number 34, if you go to first Samuel, uh, you can start at 18. We're not going to go there for the sake of time. But 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 I want you to do this this week. If you go to first Samuel, chapter number 18, you'll begin to understand what was really going on in the mind of David as he began to write the song. You see, it was uh, at this time in chapter number 18, where um, the, the king uh, who was Saul at the time, he was in a place where he began to despise David. He began to hear the people in the town begin to sing these songs as David walked through. They, they would say that they would sing this, Brantley, they would say, uh, Saul has killed his thousand, but David has killed his ten thousand. Now think about it. You're the king, and he, they only attribute a thousand to you. But here's this little runt from Jesse's house that walks through. And as he strolls through town, they, they would say, that guy right there, he's the one that killed ten thousand. But the king... It was only a thousand, and so David, not being a man that was boastful or bragging, he simply went through life. And in this particular season, uh, Saul began to get angry at David, and he began to despise David and hate David. And as David began to simply try to move and do what God was calling him to do, Saul began to have a rage about himself, and this rage began to put Saul in a place where he 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 he, he first said, "I want to I'm gonna kill this guy." How in the world is there somebody else in the kingdom that's getting more fanfare than me? Here I am the king, but yet they're praising him. And so it began to invoke this fear and this anger and this animosity inside of Saul. And Saul began to concoct plans. He said, well, if, if I can't kill him, then, then maybe I'll give him one of my daughters and, and he'll marry my daughter and he'll be my son in law. And, and, and I can manipulate this thing and make this thing work out. And when uh, David didn't want his daughter, then he said, well, I, I'll make him a leader over this part of the army and, and maybe he'll get killed. in war." he began to try to concoct all of these types of plans to kill David. And Jonathan being uh, Saul's son, he began to have a friendship with David. And because of this friendship, God began to give him favor and began to give him insight on the mindset of Saul. And so if we dig deeper and we pull something from that, I believe this, that even in the season of uncertainty, if we make a connection with God, he'll begin to give us insight on what's going on around us. Don't get so caught up in the other stuff around us, but you get caught up in God and he'll give you understanding of what's going on around. us. Many of us during the mix of this trial and this tribulations, none of us, many of us have having simply yielded and said, Father, what is it that you want to show me during this season of uncertainty? And I believe like David, he began to connect with Jonathan and Jonathan began to say, listen, if my father ever gets a desire to kill you, I'll be the first person to let you know. And so. He sat at the table. He found out that that Saul wanted to kill him. He sent word to David he said, listen, you got to run now. I just found out that my father, because originally he wasn't sure, but then he got the word. My father wants to kill you. And so here David is on the run. Trying to figure this thing out. How am I going to survive? He began to move. And if you read the beginning of that title, it talks about this man by the name of Abimelech. And when uh, David got in the presence of Abimelech, he felt like his life was over and he started acting crazy. And as he acted crazy like a madman, they sent him away and he ended up going into a cave. And as he was in the cave, some other gods came and he found himself in a place that he was isolated. He was isolated. He was blocked in kind of like, forgive me for this bad joke, but it was almost like he was quarantined. He he was in a place where he couldn't really go out because he knew that if he went out, the people were looking for him. If he went out, the people were going to kill him. So he found himself inside of a cave. But watch what happened. He began to remember. He began to reflect. In the midst of a hit on him, he began to pin these words. I will praise the Lord. With all my heart. I will praise the Lord. Let all who are helpless listen and be glad. Honor the Lord with me and celebrate his great name. Now, now this is David singing this song or writing the psalm in the midst of knowing that somebody is trying to kill him. But yet he's still talking about how good God is. He still believed that God, even in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of what appeared to be certain death, he still believed that God was still indeed good. Church, Ember, those that are watching, I need you to understand that in the midst of what you're going through, never lose sight of the fact that God is indeed still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you may have lost your job. Yeah, you, you, you may have been in a place where you're trying to figure this thing out. But nevertheless, God is still good. A man who had a hit on his head, he began to write words. He says, I, I asked the Lord for help and he saved me from all of my fears. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I'm simply reading Psalm 34 again, and I'm telling you that even in the midst of what was going on, David never lost sight that God was good. If you know that we don't lose sight in God with the trials that we're going through, that we'll still be able to get through this thing without a shot of a doubt. But it's those that will begin to mourn and weep without hope that will end up being consumed by fear. And by anxiety, let me give you a couple points. Let me give you a couple points. Point number one your thanks can't be conditional. Many of us have only, this situation has revealed to us that the only time that we really thank God was when times were good. For, for some of us, the, the only time we really had a deep connection with God was when things in our lives were going well. God, I, I, I thank you. God, I thank you. Because all was well. But what about when nothing's there? I'm, of what, I'm reminded of what Job said. Job said, naked I came into this world, naked I'll leave out. He said, but regardless, blessed is still the name of the Lord. Regardless of what you have, regardless of what you presently currently have in your possession it's still no match for the fact that you should still give thanks and honor to God, regardless of the situation. And so I'll ask you the question. Has this trial and this tribulation revealed to you that your Thanksgiving has been conditional? Has the only time you praised God was when things were good? And again, if you know me and you're here, you know, I would simply pause and lean on the podium to give you time to reflect. When was the last time you went through a trial and tribulation, but you still found yourself giving honor and thanks to God? You know, moment of transparency for me back in January. Um, my wife, you know, she'll tell you that uh, I had lost my job. I lost my job. I, was the sole source of income at the time. And it seemed like my world was about to fall apart. I came home and I wasn't sure how this conversation was gonna happen when I talked to my wife, but I remember one of our embers, he said, listen man, give your wife an opportunity to love you because her love isn't conditional. And I began to share with her, I said, well, baby, I, 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 I'm not working anymore. Um, and she said, that's fine. She said, the Lord showed me earlier this week that a shift was happening. We'll be fine. Shortly thereafter, I started back working somewhere else. So why would you be so transparent, Pastor D? I'll be transparent because it was even in that moment of uncertainty, I still came to church and lifted up my hands and talked about how good God was. I still came and stood behind the same desk and began to lead other people in exhorting the name of God because I knew that God was still indeed good. So in this moment of chaos, this moment of crisis, you have to remember that your thanksgiving cannot be conditional. Regardless if you've been laid off or furloughed, you still have to say, God, you're still good. You still have to believe deep down in your soul that God is still good. Point number two. And I need you to to, to, to listen to this one. I'll, I'll say it again because this was kind of deep. I may need you to even write it down again. And so you can really look at it because it it is it, kind of wordy, but it, it's profound in the essence of how God gave it to me. He said this. He said, don't merely give thanks for the giving. But give thanks for the giver. Don't merely give thanks for the giving, but give thanks for the giver. Well, Pastor D, what does that mean? What that means is this. You shouldn't be thanking God just because of what he's giving. I I was looking at this uh, the other night when I was meditating on the scripture, uh, Jonathan Justin and I and I saw where um, you know I was thinking about the word Thanksgiving and, and and you look at it and it's a compound word and the thanks come before the given. and so you're like man you, you're giving thanks for what's given but how many of us have given thanks? Yeah, that that touched didn't it, Leslie? We 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 we, we know Thanksgiving. And if you look at it, the thanks comes before the giving. But but, but when you give thanks, you're you're, you're giving before you. You're you're giving this thanks to God because God is who he is. Many of us have gotten so conditioned that the only time we give thanks to God is when he's given something to us. But this is a season where I believe God is saying, I simply need you to give thanks to me for who I am i i I need to have a relationship that's not reciprocal with you this season i i, I don't want a reciprocal relationship this season I don't wanna get your thanks because of what i'm giving i want to get your thanks because of who i am i i, I wanna get i wanna get thanks because of who I am because if you thank me for who I am, then your mind isn't on your circumstances or your situations but it's on me and if it's on me then you'll realize that I hold your circumstances yeah. Yeah, that's better than y'all clap. (laughs) That's what we would say at Ember. But we have to get into a place where we love God so much that if he never does anything else, we're still grateful to call him friend. If, if, If he never gives us the things that we desire, we still thank him for being who he is. If if, if we never see the things that we desire from him, we still thank him for who he is. Because when you begin to do that, church, and, and Facebook, and YouTube, and those that are watching online, when you begin to do those things, then you'll begin to take a certain situation that you didn't see a way out of, and you'll realize, like the old song said, he has the whole world in his hand. Everything that goes on is in his hand. Everything that you have to deal with is in his hands. So, therefore, my challenge to you is this. Over the next couple of days, don't give thanks for what he's giving you, but give thanks for who he is. God, I thank you for being who you are. God, I thank you when I wasn't worth saving. You still saved me. Father, when I had messed up too many times, you, you still looked past my faults and you saw my needs. Father, I thank you that when I went out and I went left, when I know I should have went right, you still saw fit to continue to love me. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for when I thought all hope was gone, you came in at midnight hours and showed me that I still had a friend. God, I thank you for being who that person is not for the materialistic things that you can do, not for the status that you can give, not for those things. But God, I just simply thank you because your love is unfailing. The old church would say it this way. They would say, when I wasn't fit to live and I wasn't ready to die, you still had mercy on me. We thank him for being that kind of God. We thank him for being that kind of God that'll be able to bring us up, as the song said, from the ashes. So your giving shouldn't be based upon what he can give you. David wasn't worried about what he could get from God in this situation. He was simply saying, God, I thank you. God, I I thank you for being who you are. That's what he captured in Psalm chapter number 34. The third point. Chaos, and I opened up with this one earlier. Chaos is rooted in perspective. Chaos is rooted in perspective. It's all about how you look at it. It's it's all about how you look at something that will reveal, watch this, your confidence in God and where your attention and your focus is. If I'm in the midst of a hard situation and all I see is a hard situation, then my attention has to shift more vertically and less horizontally. If 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 I believe that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills in the fullness of the Lord of the world is the Lord's. Then, then, then my perspective has to be that I can't be overwhelmed by what I see, but I have to trust in what I don't see. It's all about perspective. So how do we get through these next 30 days, these next 60 days, these next however many days? We get through them by understanding our perspective has to be that God is sovereign that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing. God is is God, and he's God all by himself. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, well, Pastor, this, this thing is crazy. I said, yeah, it is crazy. I said, but what I also know is that God is sovereign. And by him being sovereign, he didn't have to ask anybody for permission to do anything. I'm not suggesting that he did this. But I'm saying this, he didn't have to ask for permission to allow certain things to happen because he's God. And what I come to the conclusion, Pastor Kevin, of is this, is that God is in a season where he's asking us, how are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe that I'm able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even think? Or are you going to doubt me? You see, it was a couple months ago in many of our lives that many of us was saying he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even think. A couple months ago, many of us were saying there is no failure in God. A couple months ago, many of us were saying there is no lack in God. So I just believe that now is a time to prove if you really meant what you were saying. Do you believe that God can provide? Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God is a protector? Do you believe those things about the nature of God? And I'll say this as I get ready to close. I love this church. I love the heart of this church. I love this ministry because as I look back, over the years that that we've been connected, the year and a half that we've been connected to this magnitude, I simply walk through how God has been preparing us for the season and the days to come. If you are a fan of our Facebook page, if you subscribe to our Facebook page or you like our Facebook page, you can go back through our videos. And Pastor Kevin, I don't know if you remember this, but I was meditating on this last night. We did a whole series on the nature of God. We did a whole series. We did about four or five weeks preaching about the nature of God. Matter of fact, if you've seen our Facebook uh, commercial that shows up from time to time, I, I used a clip from that series. And the clip from that series, it shows you standing here at the podium and you said, if we want to know who God is, I think we should ask him. God, who do you say you are? And he'll reveal it to us. And I'll tell you this: what he'll reveal to you is this. Even in your moment of uncertainty, even in your moment of despair, even in your moment of confusion, your moment of anxiety, your moment of of chaos and 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 just uncertainty. He'll show you that he's still God. He's never stopped loving you. He's never turned his back on you. He's never stopped listening to you. He's still concerned about you. He's still going to protect you. He's still going to provide for you. He's still going to walk with you. He's still going to love you. He's going to continue to do all those things that he promised to do because that's his nature. Circumstances don't change the nature of God. The nature of God changes circumstances.